0: Tune in now
1: to the all-new LBX Daily Show,
0: brought to you by the LBX Collective,
1: your community to connect, engage, and inspire.
0: Now, let's get ready to roll
1: with your hosts, Christine Buer and
0: Brandon Wiley. Well, hello, everyone. Right. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode of the LBX Daily. We are your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. I um, just want to give a quick shout out to some of our early adopters who've joined us already and are, uh, you know, kind of tuning in and checking us out. Uh, we have Josh Liebman, Matt Heller, Greg Borman, Elise Glover, Monica Beharone, Barry Zelikson, and Kim Wheeler. Thank you so much, you guys. It's so great to have your support and to see you hanging out here with us. And just a quick explainer to all of you newcomers that are new to the LBX Daily, this is a lightning quick 15-20 minute podcast videocast highlighting some of the fascinating things happening in the location-based entertainment industry. In the first part of the show, which we call the rundown, we touch on some of the interesting topics and stories we've seen over the past 24 hours that we think are really interesting and worthy of discussing. Then we top it off with our own musings and an in an industry-specific topic during the ruminations portion. Since the idea is to create community and to get people to share ideas and connect, we then post this rumination into our Discord channel after the podcast and ask you to join us there to provide your thoughts and your feedback. And this brings me to the biggest point, what the heck are we all doing here? Well, the show isn't just about us yammering away. We're working on building a community here, the Location-Based Experience Collective, a place where industry professionals like you and me and Brandon can... Monica and everyone else that joined can interact and connect, engage and inspire and celebrate all of our collective triumphs. So if you haven't already done so after this podcast, head on over to our website, lbxcollective.com. There you can follow us on social media, tune into our shows and most importantly, join the community. All right, let's get things rolling, shall we?
1: Perfect. Perfect. Well, I don't know of any better way to get things rolling than to celebrate National Pinot Noir Day. So I have here my glass of Pinot Noir, and uh, you have your glass of Coke, Coke Zero. <laughs> Coke Zero. Uh, with, uh, there was more ice in it earlier today. Uh, I but, know it's uh, hot. You well,
0: know. it's not quite so hot today, but yes, melting yeah, fast.
1: Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Pinot National Pinot Noir Day. So maybe there's a way to celebrate that. Uh, you know, it's your and mm-hmm. this is a nice bottle of Walt Wine, which is one of my favorite Pinot Noir brands uh, over in Napa Valley. So so yeah, that's uh, that's National Pinot Noir Day. But um, uh, you know, another thing that starts with P. Is Pac-Man, and I just came across this. I don't know why I haven't found this earlier. I'm a massive, massive Lego fan. I've played with Legos my entire life. Still continue to play with Legos. Wish my kids still played with Legos because then I had then I have a better excuse. I don't have to be just you know dad who's putting together a Lego set. Um, but uh, so I'm, I'm super excited about this. Um, Lego has now m- released a Pac-Man Lego set, and so uh, I just recently read about this in the Inner Game magazine, and I'm super excited about this because not only is it 2,600 pieces, so it's a big thing. It's it's really built for 18 and up, so it's built for adults, and I think it's just the level of complexity. But when you turn that crank on the right-hand side, so there's actually a little crank, so those of you who are listening, this thing stands about, uh, about two feet tall, and there's a little crank in the back, and it moves the pieces around, And the actual maze, so you can't actually play the game officially, but like it does move and simulate the movement of the pieces. And uh, there's like a little mini fig statue that goes with it as well, with like a little mini arcade, and then that all fits in the back. And so I'm very excited to go and uh, buy this online at Lego.com. But uh, yeah, just thought I'd share this with you. It's you know $250, and uh, it's, it's worth every penny.
0: Do you know what I'm finding interesting is all these things that we keep on finding around these digital items or these digital items or these neat kind of collaborations, they all seem to be hitting that 250 mark. I wonder if this is like a magic number in retail land where they're like, you know, it's a good amount of money for us to make, but it's not tipping the scales where people won't actually buy it.
1: That's really interesting, yeah because when I looked at it I was like, mm, yeah, it's expensive, but it's a really cool item It would look great on you know my thing here or whatever at home like it's a it's a cool nostalgia like, triggers the nostalgia as well. Uh, we have like a little mini you know a mini arcade pac-man at, at our house and so this would go really well with that. like I think that 250 mark is like one of those where yeah, it's a good amount of money but but not too much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yeah, that's a it's a really interesting point. We'll have to keep an eye on that price point for sure. I think
0: so. I think so. And I'm so curious to see what other things Lego is going to come up with. Like, I could see. I know you're a big lover of Whack a Mole, so wouldn't the Whack a Mole one be cool? Or oh like, a pinball one would be super neat to create as well.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, that would be awesome. Like a big collaboration between Bob's Space Racers and their Whack a Mole and, and Lego. That'd be interesting. We should actually talk to to Bob's and see if they you know do uh, do that. So it'd be pretty that's, cool.
0: That's right. That's right. Alrighty. Well, um, also speaking of alcohol, <laughs> um, we, uh, very interestingly enough found this very cool, cool Dutch startup, um, called Beer Mate. Um, and they have been creating what they call the ultimate bar of the future. Now let's just share a little picture of this. Uh, this is the very first self-serving bar, all right? So this machine has the capacity to tap and sell beer all on its own without anybody doing it for it. Um, No staff involved. The company has created multiple versions of this machine. So they have this guy, which is more for a beer festival, which is like a uh, two-person kind of uh, console where you can line up. They also have a single beer machine, which is something I could see more in an FEC, something like that, where it's just, one beer and i don't have a picture of here but they also have a wall version that could be built into the side of a wall of a building or maybe you know into your concession center something like that anyway um these guys come and have the capacity to serve beer four beers in 10 seconds so <laughs> speed is, was wow. obviously an objective when they were making this and i i, I question that though how if can you pour a beer in 10 seconds and not have it froth and foam over well, the that's,
1: i was going to of- ask that exact same thing like how do you handle the head when you're pouring mm-hmm. a beer in four seconds, and like, what if you do get a big head? Yeah. And like, you normally what you know, you like tip it out as you're you know as you're you're that's filling right. it up, you kind of like let the head run off. But if yeah. you're just a self service bar and like there's a limited amount of alcohol coming out, how do you handle that? If, it, if it, and it's very interesting.
0: 100. percent. Like the only technology that I've seen that's been effective at not doing that is where they fill from the bottom of the cup. So you put a cup with right. a magnet on it, and it comes up the bottom, and then you pull it off. I there's been some success, I think, in that front, but I'm sure it's always they probably have foam issues as well. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: but I mean, I mean, further that <laughs> when you start thinking about this, okay, no staff, what about checking IDs? What about over-serving people? Uh, what about, uh, has this been approved in North America? <laughs> Could this actually be used at this point? Right. Um, what happens when it runs out of beer? Like, is there a notification system that goes to your phone to tell you, you need to go get some new kegs in there? I mean, it, it there's a lot of questions here.
1: Yeah, to- totally. And just even the broader question, which is when it comes to like liquor licensing. So, you know, in this case, it's probably like a food hall, food truck area. There's probably a, a general license for that, that, that area, but like, can I just get one of these and you know, I'm still serving beer? So I still have to have a liquor license. How does that you know handle? And like, yeah, how do you, how do you make sure that the person who's actually buying is, is, you know, supposed to be there unless maybe you get to go up to a, to a counter get a wristband that's like an RFID wristband or something and then tap to get your beer. But then it's not fully self-service, right? Like I had to go and do something first in order to go and, but you know, you do that at food truck venues and like carnivals all the time, right? You go and you show your ID at one stand, you get your little wristband and then you can walk up and get your beer at whatever little thing. So maybe there's something to that effect as well. Like somebody is verifying IDs and then you're coming up, but it'd be very interesting to see one of these things actually in the wild. I have to I have to like call them a little bit on being the first self-service bar because you see these things you know you see the wall inbuilt where like you go and the self taps yourself and like you get your own beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does exist already. So I'm curious where their differentiator is. Maybe it's just because it's a standalone unit, like a vending machine. Maybe that's their difference. Right. I mean, no,
0: like no human being is actually required to take the cash, check the ID. That would right. be kind of my assumption of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you brought up a really good point about the RFDI ban though, because the biggest question I had was, we had, was go-karts, you know, a lot of facilities allow someone to drink one alcoholic beverage and go on the go-karts, but maybe not two or maybe not three. Yeah. So do will build that into the management of it. But if you have an RFDI wristband, that can probably solve for that problem. You'd know how much alcohol they drank and probably even within a period of time, you would know how often they've gone up for that alcohol. So maybe you allow one drink an hour, you know, on yeah. that, that could work really well.
1: Yep. Yep. Or, or, you know, and again, you could also have it tied into your reservation system and your go-kart. So maybe I can have yeah. a couple of drinks, but then I can't go and I can't go and reserve go-karts. Or if I have a reserve, if I have a go-kart reserved, you know, in advance, like a, an hour from now, I can have one drink before that go-kart race, but I can't have two. So if those right. two things could tie together, it'd be really interesting. Now, what I'd love yeah. to see is I was just watching Asteroid City. I don't know if you've seen the latest Wes Anderson movie. I love Wes Anderson, but uh, I was watching Asteroid City, and there's a little vending machine in in this, this is place called Asteroid City, this little vending machine that, like, makes cocktails. And it's, like, it's clearly, like, invented. It, like, shakes a cocktail and then, like, pours it out into the thing. You get this little mart- – and it does a little lemon twist, and a little martini. I can't wait to see, you know, these vending machines that are actually making real cocktails and not pre-mixed cocktails. I think it would be pretty cool
0: i don't really think it's that far away <laughs> i think well, that no. we yeah, will we'll see that fairly soon i think so i think so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: so another area where bars are super important is in barcades right so we've got mm-hmm. uh, arcade monsters there's four locations that are open currently in florida across florida so oviedo lake mary Lido, uh, Lido beach and then melbourne in florida uh, and it's not australia so it's not melbourne it's melbourne in in florida And, um, you look at these things and there's tons of black lighting and, um, and great cocktails being served and like, probably like really good uh, music and really cool aesthetic. And it's basically like a, um, I don't know, like a cyberpunk version of Dave and Buster's, I guess, like just with, or like this crazy, like cosmic bowling version of, you know, Dave and Buster's, um, with lots of arcades and pool tables and everything else. But what's interesting here is they're opening their fifth location and it's actually gonna be 15,000 square feet right off of iDrive in Orlando and they're saying it's going to be the biggest bar or arcade bar in the United States. And so uh, it'd be really cool to uh, see once they're open, um, you know, maybe Josh can head down there and, and check it out, you know, or something, you know, <laughs> if, if you were uh, next time he visits Orlando or, you know, maybe we can have Elise go check it out or, well, mm-hmm. you know, she's back in Orlando or have Monica go check it out. She's in Orlando. Like, you know, let's, let's have somebody go and investigate once it goes open, which will be in the third quarter of this year.
0: Well, Brandon, if it's the third quarter of this year, uh, we can all go check it out when we go to the IAPA IAX- expo this year. I mean, yes. let's just have a big party.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Oh no, I think that'd be awesome to have a party. So it looks amazing and I can't wait to see it. My biggest question is like, what arcades are they putting in there? Like what is the what is the um, game mix? Like, and do they have are they gonna have like adult redemption? Is there a kid redemption? Is this really meant for kids or is this adults only? Um, but like filling 15,000 square feet with games, even if you mix pinball with retro and current modern and some VR and pool, t- like that's a lot of gaming to fill 15,000 square feet. So anyway, it'd be very interesting to see what, they, uh, what, what their game mix looks like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to go check that out later this year for sure and see what they're yeah, all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so, you know, along the lines too, something that you're probably not going to see in Arcade Monsters is... This a uh, really cool collaboration between Triotech and Bold Move. It's a it's a game called um, I don't even call it a game. It's a it's a dark ride, an interactive dark ride called Smash and Reload. And um, I'm going to share the screen here. And, and if anybody who has been to uh, California Adventure or can't remember which park it's at in uh in or in orlando which disney park it's at orlando um, but it's the, the midway mania game so you're riding in this dark ride and in, in, in this car and you're, you're pulling this little thing and it's shooting these rings and different things at the screens and so it's a lot of fun it's one of my favorite games uh interactive dark rides that i've ever been on um uh, even over the the latest super mario brothers what's cool about this is that it's a uh, it's really meant for small venues, so it's not on a track. It actually rotates from screen to screen. So the total square footage is just fifteen hundred square feet. Um, you know, for the actual ride, square footage of like total, right, with queuing and stuff. Let's call two thousand square feet. But like, it's a very small footprint, and you can have multiple ride vehicles. Um, and on a per ride vehicle, it it funnels about a hundred people per hour through in a single ride vehicle. So really good throughput and a great fun family experience as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you know if this is like is this hitting all the senses here? Obviously, there's movement, there's guns, but is there smell in there? Is there any kind of water feature where it blows water? I don't,
1: I don't know. It's a, that's a good, good question. I don't know if it's a 4D. And when I was on their website, which you can you know, see here. Um, I was not able to tell whether or not it's a full 4D mm-hmm. adventure. Right, there is some tilting and other things, but I don't know if you're getting that wind sensation or any heat or water or, or again those smells. So, yeah, I'm not not quite sure. But it certainly is a fun. You know, it looks like a fun game in general, and um, mm-hmm. and, and so you know, excited to see th- this thing rolled out. This is this is actually rolled out in Paris for the first time, and it actually doesn't have any installations currently here in the United States. So, who's going to be the first one? It'd be interesting All to right. see.
0: Who's going yeah. first? <laughs> first person to market's always a winner, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, summer is coming to an end very quickly, um, but it's not it's not over yet. We have a few weeks left, um, and I think something I found that was really cool is Summer Wave Water Park is looking at improving the uh, experience for their customers who get sensory overload and need a place to escape. And what they've done is they've created a sensory room, which I thought Mm. was super cool. I mean, we hear about this a lot about a lot of these kids and adults that get overloaded arcades and just too many people around. What they've done is they've actually built this kind of shed or shack, uh, so to speak on kind of a central area within the the water park uh, area. And they consulted with their local children's hospital to design the space to kind of figure out what to put in the room, how it should work and what it should look like. So here I'll, Pull a picture up of the inside mm-hmm. of the room. So, very, your very basic sensory room, obviously mm-hmm. not too uh, glamorous. One of the things I thought was interesting is typically, I, I think the lights are usually lower. Um, oh, just actually,
1: comment on how the lighting is too bright. It should be a dimmer, yeah. you know, calmer, like warm light.
0: And actually, now that I recall, I believe they said there is a dimmer where you can move it up and down. You know, okay. Um, okay. but I don't know about changing colors in there. It's, it, it's you know, that blue kind of lights nice. Mm-hmm. When
1: you're kind of yeah, the calming. Ocean,
0: yeah. calming cooling effect um anyway they've designed the space um it's been super effective for them they're getting tons of uh, really amazing guest experience uh comments out of it that people are really enjoying it um and so I, I mean i have lots of thoughts around this like it i can't imagine that this is something that's easy to manage especially if you have a lot of people that would be going yeah. in and out of it i mean you get more than two kids in a room like this that are having a um, of a meltdown or they're struggling and you know it becomes loud and it <laughs> takes takes away from the whole idea of calming of a calming sensory yeah. environment right um but um you know i mean kudos on them for putting this in place and uh rolling it out um from the sounds of it there's some other larger amusement parks that are doing it as well i think uh you might have visited uh Morgan's was it?
1: Yeah, Morgan's Playland, and um, yeah, they've they've. Uh, excuse me, Morgan's Wonderland. I always say Playland. It's Morgan's Wonderland, and their whole park is actually built around this idea of of, of inclusion and and being aware of diversity and and um, you know accessibility, and so. Uh, their whole park is, addresses this. And what's interesting is their, their park is fairly expansive and they have multiple areas throughout the park That's for, cool. uh, you know, I would call them sensory areas. They're not necessarily dedicated sensory rooms, which I think is kind of cool what they've done here, uh, but they have different areas. And um, and so we're actually going to be going to Morgan's Playland at the FEC, the IAPA FEC Summit. Um, we're going to have our, our Monday night reception there at Morgan's Playland or Wonderland. And we'll be able to get a chance to see, uh, you know, everybody get a chance to experience anybody who goes to that that event. Mm-hmm. Um but, but, you know, so I, I love that they're doing this. Um, I hope that this trend continues and, Absolutely. um, you know, from a rumination standpoint, uh, yeah. Like, what are we seeing? What are we doing? Um, you know, in our, in our venues to address this? So, you know, Christine, I know you had some specific thoughts around this too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the question really is, does it, does anyone have a sensory room at this point? What yeah. do we do when someone's having, um, a, a, or they're struggling with a sensory issue? Where do you put them at this, uh, in your facility or are you considering building an actual sensory remote and how have you thought to operate it and run it and what would that actually look like in your facility so yeah um, we'll post that question in the discord and so we'd love to get your thoughts and your feedback around that and see what everybody's been up to
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, um, so just like that, we've uh, reached the end of the LBX Daily, another uh, episode eight. And um, so please hop on, join the conversation in the LBX Collective Discord. You can join the Discord link by clicking on the link multiple places, but you can always go to lbxcollective.com. That's lbxcollective.com to... Uh, click on the link to join the Discord, and then post your thoughts on the LBX Daily channel. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we want we want you to to you know post your thoughts on this today's rumination around sensory rooms, or talk about some of the past ones. And you know, generally, we always want your feedback and requests for future topics or burning questions that we'd like to ask the community. Um, and we also need your help building this community through the LBX Collective by sharing the link to the Discord server. And or these episodes with your buddies and any other industry pros. Matt Heller has done that. He went to LinkedIn right away and posted out to his his commu- you know, to his network. And um, and we really appreciate him doing that and sharing that. And we'd love for everybody else to do that as well, because the only way we're going to grow uh, from each other and learn from each other is to build up this community. So tell them to head on over to lbxcollective.com and join this amazing community that we're building. So until we meet again, our fellow LBXers, keep being extraordinary. This is Christine Beer and Brandon Wiley signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass.
0: Have a great weekend, everyone.